we're in First Timothy five, and um, you know this this study to me was so simple. It was just the nuts and bolts of how we're to live our lives in Christ, and um, it, it's rules how to conduct ourselves as Christians. And something that I I heard just even on the way in this morning, uh, Alistair Beggs, one of my favorite. Uh, pastors to listen to he talked about how the children of God were redeemed they left Egypt and were redeemed then they were given the law and so I thought you know that's what this is too these are these are rules for how Christians are to live and um, how the redeemed should conduct their lives. And so Timothy was given um, these rules so that the church could live as a family and love on one another. Um, I, I really, I couldn't find any deep-seated uh, Christian spiritual uh, wisdom to share at this point, that it's really uh, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's, you know, B-I-B-L-E basic instructions before leaving earth. And um, that's, you know, basic means that's all we need. We need air to breathe. We need water. We need these rules. And we can all understand them. And best of all, we can put them all into practice. Um, how many of you guys like homework? I, I think that's why we we do this study, we, why we do this kind of study, because we like homework, we like the accountability, we like knowing you know, where to turn in our Bible and what questions to answer. Um, even devotions that I follow have a calendar usually, and so I know, you know on February 28th, I'm gonna read this page and I'm gonna read these you know, uh, scriptures. Um, I've been to various counselors and pastors, you know, when you have a problem or something, the ones I end up going back to are the ones that give me homework. They not necessarily give me something to write down, but they give me something to do, something to make my attitude change or to help my circumstances by following some kind of advice or rules. Um, for my husband's birthday, my daughters and I decided to give him one of those. It's a recumbent bike, but also you can stand up on and do an elliptical. So, you know, we decided, we ordered it online. I don't know why, but I thought it was going to come all put together, you know, and they would bring it in. No, no, no. <laughs> One Saturday morning, we get a doorbell, and it's this flat box, really heavy. We haul it in, and my husband and I kind of look at each other, and it's like, no way. <laughs> so um, he called our son-in-law and said, hey, can you come over and help us? Well, we didn't know they were out of town. So he said, no, I, we're, we're out of town. They were out of town for like 10 days. So the next weekend, I just decided, hey, if you know me, I think I can do anything I set my mind to. And so I was like, we can do this because it has directions. <laughs> I know men don't like to read directions. Um, so anyway, we opened it. And to my surprise, all the pieces were in this cardboard thing, all kind of um, melded together with plastic. It had step one, step two, step three, and all the tools and all the little nuts and bolts that it needed for each step. Usually when I get something that's unassembled, you know, you get this bag and you have to pour them out and you have to figure out which one is which. This was great. I think a woman designed it, so anyway. Um, 
we put it together and it was amazing because we followed the directions. And um, anyway, all that to say that Paul has also laid out directions for us. And he gave them to Timothy for all who will read the letter and its directions living with fellow Christians in su such a simple fashion that it doesn't take a Bible scholar to tell you what this chapter says. Especially when you've studied already the first four chapters. And I just want to remind you that, you know, Paul begins by greeting Timothy with grace, mercy, and peace. And it's something that we must all extend to one another. Paul said that all our actions and words should be done out of love. And that comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So grace, mercy, love, and peace. I think you could call those the nuts and bolts of our faith. So let's dive into the text. Um, I'm going to read out of the Living Bible for the first chapter, uh, 5, 1 and 2. It says, Never speak sharply to an older man, but plead with him respectfully, just as though we were he were your own father. Talk to the younger men as you would to much-loved brothers. Treat the older women as mothers and the girls as your sisters, thinking only pure thoughts about them. One of the commentaries that I read made it really clear that Timothy was to have respect for anyone he had to rebuke or discipline. And he was told not to treat them like a naughty child or an underling. He was never to speak to them as a parent. The older men were to get respect as a father. The older women and the, uh, as a mother and even the young men and women, he were, was to speak to them as brothers and sisters. And I just thought, when we offer grace, mercy, and love in our interaction with others, we're doing it out of love for the brethren and for our Lord. And we will be keeping the peace. That doesn't mean we compromise on doctrine or cause anyone to stumble. But we try, you know, by trying to be politically correct or a people pleaser, but how much more can be resolved when we come to one another out of love and mutual respect with the ultimate goal of pleasing God and advancing his kingdom. Um, the next verses in our Bible, I want to read out of modern, the Modern Language Bible. It says, Honor widows who really are widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to practice religion at home, so to make recompense to those who nurture them, nurtured them, for so it is acceptable in God's sight. I want to go down to um, 16. If any believing woman has widowed relatives, let her take care of them so that the church may not be burdened and may look after those who really are widows. He talks about enrolling the, women, the widows um, and not to enroll a widow unless she is over 60 years old of age, who was the wife of one husband, and one who has a reputation for good works, and has reared children, and has practiced hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has relieved the afflicted, and has been devoted to all kinds of good works. Well, I had the blessing and the honor of being able to take care of my mother-in-law in her last years. 
Um, she had lived alone for a long time, and she was very independent, very private. And so when she needed help and actually came to us and asked us, I was so honored. Um, my mom is 87, and she's starting to need help. She's still driving, and she's out there in, in all her little clubs and things. Um, but my, my daughters, this is so funny, my daughters see me taking care of my mother-in-law and taking care of things that need to be done for my mom, and they call me a saint. <laughs> and I just laugh because, you know, we're all saints in the Lord. But what an example that we can set for our future generations so that they'll take care of us, right? <laughs> um, what they're seeing is grace, mercy, and love in action. And that's how we should be an example to our kids. Again, coming from a heart that wishes to please God. And there's such a sense of peace that comes when you're doing something out of a clear conscience and for the glory of God. Um, the reasons there are qualifications added to the widows to be added to the widows list is because in the early church, these widows were actually to be employed by the church. They were, um, they were the ones who visited the sick and took food to the poor. They spent hours in prayer for the saints. Remember Anna? Um, they even took in orphans. So the church expected families to take care of their own, but when a widow was actually alone, and that's what it means by a real widow, <laughs> she depended on God and the church. We read that if children and grandchildren did not take care of their own, they were worse than unbelievers. And in a sense, they were robbing the church. You know, Living Truth has, and many churches, have funds set aside for benevolence to help those who find themselves in need. Um, I mentioned that my mother-in-law was very private, and um, she ended up with a lot of problems and got herself in quite a financial pickle. <laughs> and she finally called out for help. Um, and, you know, we didn't even know she had a problem unless she would have asked us. Verse 5 reminds us that it's okay to pray for ourselves. It's okay to ask for help, to petition God for our needs. But if we aren't telling our families, how can they help? I also mentioned that it was a blessing to help my mother-in-law and my mom. So don't rob your kids of that kind of blessing. We find those who are not to be added in the widow's list in verses 11 through 15, and I'm going to read out of the Living Bible. The younger widows should not become members of this special group because after a while they are likely to disregard their vow to Christ and marry again. I'm just going to stop there. Um, what does it mean to, you know, not live up to their vow to Christ? It was kind of weird, but after reading some commentaries, I have a good example. I know a woman who, upon her husband's death, decided to go back to church. And she went into the um, grief support group. And she felt, felt, you know, very supported and loved. And so she got busy in church. She found that she could be a service to her church. But some months later, she decided to put herself out there on Match.com. And what she told me was that she just wanted someone to go to dinner with, you know, maybe go out to a movie once in a while. Her, her goal that she stated was companionship. Without going into detail, <laughs> um, she began a, a relationship with this new companion, but he had no interest in church. And now 
they're living together. She's not returned to church or the service that she had committed to. And that's what Paul was talking about regarding or disregarding their vow. Does Paul think that all widows who are young and under 60 are lazy, gossips, being led astray by Satan? Well, no, but without a purpose, it can easily happen. You know, watching soap operas or talk shows all day, spending too much time on social media, it doesn't tend to bring you closer to God. No matter your age, God has a plan for you. Married, divorced, never married, widowed. I'm reminded of Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. And that's just a little uh, plug for our retreat coming up in April. There's about 20 spots left, and the theme is, you are God's masterpiece. (laughs) Um, But God has a work for us. He has a purpose for our life. He has given us gifts to be used by him for his people and for his glory. When we don't use them or we're idle, the enemy can get a foothold. And I think that's why Paul encourages the younger widows to marry and have children. I know a lot of women these days are helping raising their grandchildren, and that too is a blessing, not just to grandma, but also to the kids and the parents. The next section of our text involves the leadership of the church. And you know, Timothy must have looked at this and thought, yikes, that's a lot of rules. That's a lot of nuts and bolts. I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to go through... Number one, he was to make sure pastors and elders are paid and honored for their work. Probably not just once a year on a pastor's appreciation month either. They were not to listen to complaints about pastors and elders. In other words, be discerning. Listen for the truth from more than one source. Remember that Satan is the accuser of the brethren and will use anyone he can to bring division to the church. Timothy was to mete out discipline as an example to all. If the accusation is true, Timothy is told to rebuke the one who has sinned in front of the whole congregation. Now, this is for the elders and the leaders of the church. I don't believe Paul meant anyone who is found in sin is to be dragged in front of the congregation and um, rebuked. I see no mercy, grace, or love in doing that. But a leader that is found guilty of a sin can not only be a stumbling block, but can lead so many people astray. They have to be made an example of. Number four, Timothy was told not to show partiality. I thought, just because an elder's your golfing buddy, he still needs to be rebuked to set an example for the whole church. The same favoritism that Paul's talking about can get a church in trouble if a man is put into leadership too soon without being tried or tested. Maybe a a new person comes in, uh, you know, tells us that he's been a leader in another church. Well, they still need to be tested and tried. Um, We don't put a, a new believer into leadership. In fact, Living Truth offers a firm foundation class. And it's in order that attenders can know what we believe and why. They give the church vision and doctrine so that they know those things that we teach. And you get to understand the workings of the church. To serve in the church, you must have completed this firm foundation class. 
And I think most churches follow this kind of teaching um, if they're a Bible teaching uh, church. Well, Paul says also, be sure to stay away from all sin. He says this behind making sure you choose the right leaders. Putting someone in a leadership role that has a different doctrine can cause division. We know the Ephesian church fought against false teachers. That's what we started our, our study with. We must follow these basic instructions to stay away from sin. And I like the way the Living Bible states verse 23, because this is a, you know, a question that people have a lot. Living Bible 23 says, By the way, this doesn't mean you should completely give up drinking wine. You ought to take a little sometimes as medicine for your stomach because you are sick so often. Well, obviously, Timothy had some tummy issues. And I know that in some countries, they use wine to kind of help purify the water or make it even more palatable. We don't really know the situation, but I believe this is what Paul's referring to. But I also think that that little wine is the issue. You know, you're, you, it's not a sin to have a little wine, but certainly it does not give us license to overindulge. And really, that means in anything. I used to tell the ladies in my groups when I was doing prison ministry, you know, because they were there for the most part because of drug use. I would tell them that that food was my drug of choice. And food is addicting for me. My weight fluctuates all the time because I forget to only use a little chocolate or a little, not to overindulge in cheese and bread and chips and, you know, all those things. Yes, and we should never cause a brother or sister to stumble. We have to use good common sense along with grace, mercy, and love with this issue. All in all, Paul reminds Timothy and us that our sins will find us out. Amos 5.12, just that first part, says, For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sin. Nothing is hidden from God. And that good deeds, even done in secret, will be rewarded. First Samuel 26, 23a says, The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. And then First Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good day, deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. How is it that we are to live good lives? It's by following the nuts and bolts of our book, our directions. We put into practice the basic instructions before leaving earth. We serve God by serving man, and especially the widows. We offer grace, mercy, and love to all we meet, and we listen to God's Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us through all the works that he has prepared for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this study. Simple as it is, Father, it's such good reminders on how we are to respect others and show grace and mercy, how we are to love others and serve God by serving them. Thank you so much for this group of women who long to, to serve you, Father, to glorify you in everything they do. And so, Father, I pray as we go into our groups that we will learn even more as as we share what God has instructed us and has taught us how to be the women that you want us to be. We pray, Father, that you would continue to teach us 
every day as we open our hearts, our minds, and, and want to be more like you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So ladies and